Welcome to Enduring Christianity. I'm Billy Heyer, and this is our conversation. I was 20 years old and leading a team on a mission trip in South Africa. On my team were 10 people who I had never previously met three months prior. There are people of different ages, people of different nationalities, but we were one team with one purpose to go and serve the country of South Africa in various planned out ways. During this trip, we were in our van heading to the city of Durban, where we were going to make contact with the man there who would hook us up with another contact at a Zulu orphanage about an hour outside the town. As we were arriving into Durban, the sun was setting and the night sky was starting to take over. We took our exit, which led us right into the heart of the city. I was driving the van and I was trying to look for a public phone maybe on the sidewalk that we could call our contact person and to see where we should go from there. The streets were crowded with all different types of people, and it was hard to just kind of pull over and look because there was also traffic behind us. My mind was a little frenzy, being in a new city, not too old, 20 years old, trying to appear strong, trying to feel like I had my act together, just simply trying to find a phone to call somebody. At this moment, one of my team members in the back kind of urgently yelled out, I have to go to the bathroom, I have to pee. I kind of rolled my eyes. This is not a good time. I went down a couple streets further thinking there must be a phone somewhere nearby. And then once again, that same cry in the back seat became a little bit more urgent. I got to go now. I have to pee. We got to pull over. I felt the empathy from the rest of the team as well. So I made that the priority now. I saw a right hand turn and quickly pulled down the street in search of now, not just a phone, but a restroom. As I pulled down the street, it was a sense that just kind of arose and overwhelmed me. It wasn't one of common sense, because I'd never been there before. But it was a very real feeling nonetheless. Something in short that told me, you just pulled down a bad street. Kind of pushing that feeling to the side, not really knowing if it was a real feeling or not to have to give any entertainment to. I saw a gas station and pulled in the parking lot. Me and the one other teammate who had to use the restroom went inside. The person behind the counter said, what are you doing? How can I help you? And we said, we, we just have to use the restroom. Said, Do you have a restroom? And they said, there's no public restroom here. So we walked out of the gas station and returned to the team outside waiting for us. We informed them there wasn't a restroom inside and that they should wait here by the van while we walked down the street to try to find a restroom and hopefully a payphone. As me and my teammate began walking down the street, that initial feeling of this is not a good street began to arise in me even more and more. I began to not only look for a restroom, but pay attention to the people who were crowded the street. I saw more and more eyes looking at us. They weren't just looking at us kind of curiosity, wondering who we were. They had this feeling of intention that there was something going on behind their eyes, inside their mind, that was not going to be kind, more of a harmful intention. Again, I had no common sense to really back this up. So, nonetheless, I had more of an urgency that we need to find a restroom pretty quick. A few further doors down, I looked to my left. I saw what seemed to be a business. It was a restaurant and a bar. And it also seemed to be simultaneously a hotel inside. There was no solid door to this entrance. 
It was just more of a barred door, very much resembling something at a jail cell. I pushed on the door to see if we could get in, but it was locked. This was kind of strange, I thought. And something else in my brain was putting two and two together. This is not a good street. I kind of raised my voice and, excuse me, excuse me. I quickly caught the attention of a very large man with an Indian background, about six foot three, 280 pounds. He walked over to the door and looked us in the eyes and just out of complexity said, who are you? What are you doing? I just said, we're trying to find a restroom. He quickly lifted his finger to another staff member and we heard the buzzing sound of the door releasing its electronic lock. He opened the door and we entered. He sent and showed my teammate where to use the restroom. Finally, that task now accomplished. He then sat me down on a chair. He looked at me in the face and again asked, Who are you? What are you doing here? And I just started to tell him that we were just a group of people who were on a mission trip and we had to use the restroom. He then began to talk over me, lifting his leg up onto another chair next to me. He lifted his pant leg and revealed a revolver strapped to his ankle. He put his hand on it and looked at me and said, I don't wear this for show. I wear this for intention to use it. You are not on a good street, my friend. Every night, people are killed here. Every night and day, people are raped on this street. Just last night, two people were killed for 25 cents. And the people who killed them knew that was all the money they had on them at the time. You are not on a good street. This street is one of the worst streets in all of South Africa, he told me. He told me that it is worse than any street in your New York City. I then kind of felt the need to interrupt him. Excuse me, there's actually more of us. Uh, just up the road, there's, we have a van and there's about eight more of us. He looked at me very concerned, large-eyed, and said, you need to go get them right now. If your van is still there, if the people are still standing there, you bring them here in front of my establishment as quick as you can. I, no hesitation or any need for more questions, arose from my seat and ran out of that establishment and up the road, kind of wondering in the back of my head, is it possible that our van might not even be there anymore? Someone just stole it? Or worse off, if my team member's still there? Running up the street, I saw the team members still waiting by the van for our return. I quickly motioned to them, hurry, get up in the van, everybody. We got to drive up the street a little bit. They had some questions, but I just silenced them. Just get, get in the van. We, we got to go up the street a little bit. So they all got in the van, and we drove about a block up to where the establishment was. As we pulled up to the curb, four men came out of that same establishment, each carrying what looked to be an AK-47. At that point, each one of them stood by a corner of our van. We got to the door that was barred, and again, we heard the buzzing sound of the electronic lock opening the door. We walked in and the buzzing sound of it closing again behind us. The Indian owner looked at me and said, My men will guard your vehicle all night long. No one will touch your vehicle tonight. He then took the time to inform our team of just how bad of a street we were on. We began to realize that we were surrounded by danger, not just the feeling of it. He said, You are not safe to go anywhere tonight. I have a hotel here as well, and you will stay here. Each will have their own room, no charge. 
I just flabbergastedly said, thank you. At this point, I just knew I was not really in control of anything. Life was happening to us. And I was just thankful for an opportunity for safety in this moment. A staff member led us up to the hotel area, and sure enough, each one of us had our own room. About an hour later, another staff person came up with a plate for our dinner. On this plate was the largest steak I had ever seen in my entire life. It was so large that it fed each one of us with leftovers remaining. Not only that, it tasted very good. I then laid my head on my pillow trying to sleep, but I had trouble falling asleep. It was the first moment in the last several hours that I kind of had an opportunity to process what happened. How did we get here? What is, what is happening? I don't understand. I'm scared. I feel safe. I'm thankful. I'm fearful. I'm just processing. And on top of that, I was a leader of all these people. It was somehow supposed to be making decisions for all of us. Throughout that night, about every hour, there were the ringing of gunshots, backed up and followed by screams and yells car horns throughout the night, and pacing running feet of people running up and down the street yelling. Just another reminder that what I felt when we pulled down that street, we were surrounded by danger, not just the feeling of it. The next morning, my team gathered around to discuss the situation and assessed how everyone was doing. Some people shared, while others still remained still and quiet. It was pretty apparent they were still processing everything that was going on and had happened. Some were blaming me, telling me I should have had a better plan, which was hard to argue. But still, this was not part of my plan. And then suddenly, many of us, including me, without any warning to ourselves, began to break down and cry. The emotions of what happened to us became real somehow. We it was though, as we realized last night, was not just a bad dream, it was real life. And it was almost as more like we should have died last night. We were thankful to God that moment, and thanked Him, and processed. Later on that morning, I went downstairs to make that phone call I originally was trying to make the day before. I called our contact person, and he said, Welcome to Durban. Where are you? How can I pick you up? I told him where we were. He quickly said, I'm sorry, where did you say you were? I told him the name of the street. What are you doing on that street? You must get off that street immediately. Now keep in mind, this is the morning hours, not the night hours. We were there last night. And I said, I'm pretty well aware of where we are now. I'll fill you in later, but this is where we are. Please come and pick us up. The gentleman that we were in contact with there did come and arrive at the establishment that we told him we were at. There was really no time of between us welcoming and introducing ourselves to the man that the large Indian, the owner of the establishment, came out about three inches away from this man's face and gave him a scolding, telling him, next time you take much better care of your guest. They could have died last night. There was no disagreement with the man that we were there in contact with. Many apologies. And we got in our car and we drove off with what was clear and present danger of an unknowing situation to us last night, unplanned, would forever be in our minds and memories. Looking back on that situation, 
it was always that life happened to us. Even though we had different plans and intentions of us arriving that original night, life happened to us. It was though we didn't even have time to make rational decisions as it was happening to us. Maybe we did endure in trying to remain calm and trusting God in those moments of that awful night. Maybe we endured to, even though we weren't in control, to just somewhere inside of us to keep trusting in God, no matter what we saw outside of us. But nonetheless, the one that truly endured that night was the protection and loyalty of God to us. God endured that night. We want to thank you and everyone who has been listening for spending your time with us. Because how you spend your time is how you spend your life. If you are a listener and would like to share a story from your life, email us at EnduringChristianity at gmail.com. I'm Billy Heyer, encouraging you to endure in all circumstances. Have a blessed day.